Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, living the eternal way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join the discussion, email us at yogahour at unity.fm. Now, here's your host, Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien. And I'll be sharing with you today some insights and practices from the spiritual tradition of yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization. Yoga is a Sanskrit word that means oneness, union, or unity. And it refers to bringing our attention and our awareness uh, to rest consciously in our essential spiritual nature. So it has also been described as being restored to our original wholeness as we abide in that conscious awareness of our true self. So it is, yoga is self-realization, knowing our true spiritual nature, and then, of course, living in harmony with it. Today's topic is a new harmony, the spirit, the earth, and the soul. And joining us today is the Reverend Dr. John Philip Newell, who is a poet, peacemaker, and scholar. In 2011, he received the Contemplative Voices Award from the Shalem Institute in Washington, D.C. John Philip divides his time between Edinburgh with his family, where he does most of his writing, and in the U.S., where he teaches and preaches across the nation. He was formerly the warden of Iona Abbey in the Western Isles of Scotland, and he's now companion theologian for the American Spirituality Center of Casa de Sol at Ghost Ranch in the high desert of New Mexico, where he and his wife, Allie, uh, spend their summers. John Philip is the co-founder of Salvaterra, a vision towards Earth's healing, and he is ordained uh, in the Church of Scotland, minister there with a passion for peace among the great wisdom traditions of humanity. His PhD is from University of Edinburgh, 
and he is internationally acclaimed for his work in the field of Celtic spirituality, having authored over 15 books, including Listening for the Heartbeat of God, Praying with the Earth, and his most recent visionary work, which I can recommend to you, A New Harmony, The Spirit, the Earth, and the Human Soul. Uh, Welcome, Reverend Newell. It is wonderful to have you with us today. Thank you, Ellen. It's so good to be speaking with you. Thank you. Let's begin, shall we, uh, just with a moment of centering meditation. We make a conscious beginning by opening our hearts and our minds to divine omnipresence, recognizing that there is one reality called by many names, but one life, one power, one presence that is the support and the substance of all that is. So that means right where we are, wherever we are, right now, This divine reality is present as you, with you. It is within us, it is around us, it is between us. And so in this moment, let's simply move our awareness from being involved in sensory stimulation or thought activity. Let's simply consciously move our attention into the core of our being. And we can use our breath to help us do that. So feel when you breathe in that you're drawing your attention within. And when you breathe out, feel that you're letting go of any tension. are the conscious witness to our thoughts and to our feelings, which arise and pass away like clouds in the sky. And as we become aware of ourselves as conscious witness, there is a peace that comes that is the peace of the soul beyond words and thoughts, beyond understanding. This peace emanates from the essence of our being. Let it fill the mind now and the emotional nature and the physical body. And let us remember to abide in this peace today and let it overflow as blessing for all beings everywhere. Our topic 
today is a new harmony, the spirit, the earth, and the soul, of course, drawn from the new book by John Philip Newell, our guest today. We're going to be taking a look at the meeting place of yoga and Celtic spirituality, uh, especially as these traditions honor the earth and help us find healing in our lives today. So we're going to be taking a look at this vision of the essential oneness, beginning with the harmony that has always been. So I want to read a little bit from the introduction uh, to Philip's new book, A New Harmony. He writes, We live in the midst of a new consciousness of life's interrelatedness, and this awareness relates both to life's essential oneness and to life's shared brokenness. Like never before in the history of humanity, we are becoming aware that what we do to a part, we do to the whole. A comprehensive change of consciousness is coming. Something new is happening among us. And in the midst of something new being born, something old is dying. This expresses itself in countless realms of life, from communications to commerce to cuisine. So it's a beautiful um, introduction to getting a capturing the sense, the, the fragrance of this rising in our world today of a new harmony, a new awareness of our oneness. So, Philip, how do you see and experience this trend of global awakening, this new consciousness? I see it as manifesting itself right across the board and uh, emerging from nearly every major discipline of thought and study Uh, We see it, of course, in the realm of economy in which uh, monetary uh, crisis in one major part of the world affects the whole world. Uh, We see it, of course, in our increasing ecological consciousness and know that the extent to which the earth is polluted, so the species and so the human species are uh, affected and become unwell And we are experiencing a greater awareness of this interconnectedness, I believe, also in the great wisdom traditions of the world. We are increasingly realizing that our traditions are given not to compete with each other, but to complete each other. And uh, we need one another for fullness as much as the species of the earth need one another. Mm. And it's true, you know, if we look around, we, we certainly can see these indications of uh, a new uh, awareness of our interrelatedness, of our oneness in the yoga t- tradition uh, that I'm a part of, this tradition of Kriya Yoga that was brought to America by Paramahansa Yogananda. His guru, uh, Swami Sri Yukteswar, actually wrote that... Um, this time that we're living in, he, he, in the ages, as the Vedic teachings um, show them, is the age of the beginning of what is called the Drupara Yuga, uh, which is an age of awakening. Now, this uh, diverges from uh, some common opinion that we're in Kali Yuga, which is a, uh, a time of descent, you know, <laughs> into uh, a, a darkening of consciousness. But Drupara Yuga is a time when consciousness begins to unfold and awaken and uh, so we certainly can see 
uh, signs of that. You know, he, he said, you know, centuries ago there was a mistake in the astrological um, uh, uh, fixings, you know, to, to see, you know, where we were in, in this, you know, greater field of time. But, uh, you know, some of the indications of Twapara Yuga are, you know, certainly technology, you know, having the world wide web, you know, that, that connects us and that, that there's a subtle, there's subtle forms of communication that are developing. And, you know, as you mentioned with ecology, science and, and even with religion, you know, today, of course, there's an interreligious movement, you know, which centuries ago was, uh, was unthought of. And so there are many signs, but, you know, as, um, as is noted, you know, for in the beginning of Tupara Yuga, this age of awakening, <clears throat> there's also the tension that comes at the beginning of a new order. And of yes. course, in, in your book, you, you, you talk about that, um, you, you know, because there's the old way that, that tries to hold fast. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. I, I think that the uh, this age of... Uh, new consciousness or this age in which we are being invited into a deeper consciousness of of the interrelatedness of all things it uh, it manifests itself also in terms of a darkening of consciousness among some or in parts of us that react to the the deeper truth of our interrelatedness and i th- I think we're seeing this today in the great religious traditions, I think we're seeing it between nations and cultures as well, that if, if this, uh, the deep spirit of this moment in time is one in which we are being invited to more fully realize and live in relationship to the oneness, the essential oneness of all things, then uh, part, part of what's happening is, is a frightened reaction to that new consciousness because uh, the question is whether we will um, translate this consciousness into action and allow our nations and our religious traditions, our lifestyles, etc., to be transformed by the new consciousness or whether we're going to react in fear and throw up um, hardened boundaries around ourselves as nations or as peoples or as wisdom traditions. Yeah, the the task before us, which is is really fascinating, is to find, uh, and, and you do speak of that so beautifully in your book. You know, to to find how do we hold the ground of our uh, uniqueness, of our diversity, uh, in the context of of harmony. Um, you know, sometimes when we talk about oneness. Um, which is, of course, the underlying truth of the reality of life. But, you know, that can lead to fear for people if they, if they don't understand it, because then they think it means merging, you know, and the losing of, um, you know, their di- distinct uh, identity. And so, you know, this new consciousness that is coming into being, I think an important part of it is helping people understand that this is harmony, um, you know, in diversity, that, you know, all of the voices, all of the traditions, you know, everything has to be included in order to make it whole. But as you say, these rigid boundaries have to begin to come down. So people have to have the strength to stand in, uh, you know, who and what they are. 
um, but to be able to connect uh, from that place. So, you know, when we speak about harmony and oneness, we're, we're not talking about one world religion or, <laughs> you, you yes. know, that would be a disaster. Yes, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> and, um, yes, so we're not talking about uniformity. And um, and I think that there is fear and, and, of course, a very healthy suspicion about any movement that would lead to uniformity. Um, I, th- I think that uh, part of the convergence that we're uh, being invited into at this point in time is a greater reforming of relationship between East and West and uh, honoring the charism of the, of the West, the gifts of the West, uh, and deeply uh, reverencing the wisdom of the East and uh, the East has consistently been much uh, clearer about the essential oneness of mm-hmm. uh, the universe. Mm-hmm. And the, the charism or the gift of the West, I believe, has been to celebrate individuality and uniqueness. And uh, both of these ways of seeing are needed. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, other, otherwise, our individuality uh, spins off into fragmentations and separations and um, and if we only see the oneness of the universe then we lose the the beautiful uh, diversity and splendid uniqueness of each expression of life yeah I really appreciated uh, in your book how you uh, used the terms and talked about um, moon moon consciousness and sun consciousness, so, which I think you drew from uh, Jung's work. That you know yeah. how the, the the moonlight has us see things in a kind of softer way. Uh, the boundaries are not so distinct. Um, so it's more like a feminine, what we would call feminine consciousness. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then in the in the sunlight, you know, there is a, a clear sense of a boundary and distinction um, but you know as you mentioned we need we need both and we and we need to be able to find the balance of the both you know we we have been out of balance I think in in our culture in the West anyway with the sun consciousness <laughs> that um, has a strong masculine orientation and the feminine has been devalued uh, including uh, our relationship with nature yes I am um... I'm so aware when I walk under the fullness of the moon's light that um, I'm often led into speechlessness in relation to what is around me because I'm uh, invited by the moon's softness of light and feminine light to remember the uh, oneness uh, that I'm in the midst of, that the sort of hard edges of day are soft, softened mm-hmm. under the moon's light. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas when I'm walking under the sun's light, and it does occasionally shine in Scotland as well, <laughs> um, uh, when, I, when I'm walking under the sun's light, I'm, I'm so much more ready to speak and mm-hmm. to speak uh, more analytically about the differentiation of the parts. And uh, I, I believe uh, we need both of these ways of seeing uh, moon-like consciousness and sun-like consciousness, and uh, so much of our Western culture, and uh, including so much of our Western religious inheritance, has uh, focused uh, in a type of imbalance 
um, delving richly into sunlight consciousness, but forgetting this deeper oneness that we are part of. Uh, that's a, such a beautiful way to say it. And uh, we're going to go for a break now. But when we get back, um, I want to hear a little bit about your journey to India, which I know um, from reading your book contributed to this uh, awakening in, in your heart and your mind. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with guest today, John Philip Newell. And we'll be back with you in just a moment. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. What I desire for myself, I desire for all beings. There is only one presence and one power at work in the universe. As I align myself with this truth, I set in motion ripples of peace, harmony, and abundance throughout the world. In a quiet time of prayer, I center my thoughts on the perfect peace within me. There is no lack, no separation, only the wholeness of peace. I affirm aloud, I am peace. You are peace. We are peace. I rest for a moment, feeling my heart expand as peace radiates from me. I envision a world in which all beings live in harmony, free from lack, free from violence, and at peace. One by one, each of us creates this peace for all. This inspirational message is brought to you by Daily Word. Daily Word. Inspiration and practical teachings to help people of all faiths live healthy, prosperous, and meaningful lives. Give Daily Word to yourself or a friend and give the gift of hope, joy, peace, and encouragement. Order your subscriptions today online at dailyword.com. From on the air to on the sea, pack your bags and come with me. Hey, hey, what you waiting for? An early winter rendezvous with all the things you love to do. Hey, hey, treat yourself to more. A little more summer, a little more sun, a little less work and a lot more fun. A little more beach, a little more sand, a little less stress and a lot more pain. Join your favorite Unity Online Radio hosts for Cruise in the Caribbean, November 10th to 17th, 2012. On this fun-filled Caribbean adventure, enjoy sunshine, exceptional dining, and island excursions. Feed your spirit with music, message, and meditation, plus one-on-one time with some of your favorite hosts. That's Cruise in the Caribbean, November 10th to 17th, 2012. To learn more, go to unity.fm slash cruise. A little more sunset, a little more sea, a little less do and a lot more be.
listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and I'm joined today by Reverend John Philip Newell. And we've been talking about um, this harmony, this new consciousness that is arising, of a harmony among us, uh, within us, between us. And uh, before the break, I had mentioned that um, Philip uh, made a, a journey to India and uh, in reading his book, A New Harmony, that had a profound uh, impact on him. And uh, he also had the opportunity there to meet Father Bede Griffith, who is um, a very important, I think a very important um, person in the interreligious movement. You know, somebody whose very uh, being, whose very life um, is an example of this meeting of uh, East and West. So, Philip, tell us about your journey to India and also about your um, meeting with Father Bede. Yes, I, I was invited to journey to India and to spend some time at the ashram of Bede Griffiths early in the 1990s. It was during the period that Ali and I were on Iona leading the um, Abbey community. And Harry Underhill, uh, who's the nephew of the great English mystic Evelyn Underhill, felt that the Iona community could do with some exposure to the East. And um, I was persuaded to make that journey. It was my first uh, trip to India. And I entered the the um, rich tapestry of India, uh, realizing that this was really foreign territory to me. I, was, I, I mean, I, w- I was a a good Western boy, or at least I was a Western boy. And, uh, and I, I had been trained uh, theologically at the University of Edinburgh in the Scottish tradition, which so uh, cherishes the uh, faculty of the mind as uh, as as the faculty of greatest insight. And I'm grateful for that training, but uh, no part of my training had uh, had equipped me to look within uh, for the wellspring of truth uh, within us. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the focus was, was very much on a transcendent truth, that is, looking out to truth. Mm-hmm. And it was the mind and, and doctrine mm-hmm. that accessed that. And uh, meeting with with uh, Bede Griffiths and entering his his monastic community for a number of weeks was a truly transformative point in my life. And when when I arrived at the ashram, I learned at that point that Bede Griffiths had recently suffered a, a stroke. Uh, that that was the medical term that was being applied to his his physical state. Uh, when, however, when eventually he was able to speak about what happened to him, uh, he did recognize that medically it was being described as a stroke. But uh, this uh, happened to him during meditation. And what he said was that he experienced God as feminine. And, uh, of course, he had been writing about the meeting of the feminine and the masculine, the marriage of East and West, for many years. But it is one thing to speak about 
certain truths, it's another thing to experience them. And uh, he, he very beautifully said that this was too much for his old Western body. <laughs> and it, it shook him down to the foundations of his being in a, in a very uh, profound and, and creative way. Um, I think he, he had been a great bearer of wisdom for so many uh, in both the West and the East. But coming out of this experience of experiencing God as feminine, uh, which so shook his whole, much of his system, he uh, emerged from, from that experience to live for another number of years and uh, to, to draw a new inspiration from, from the very depths of his being. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that, was, that was the context uh, in the ashram when I arrived. And because Bede wasn't yet able to uh, speak very much and wasn't yet speaking about what had happened during his meditation that led to the stroke, um, I wasn't, um, at, at one level, I wasn't aware of what happened. But in fact, uh, the second uh, day of, of my experience at the ashram, during my siesta, and this is when I became uh, hooked to siestas. It's, it's now a, a major part of my lifestyle. I, I, I sometimes describe myself as a siesta fundamentalist. I mean, uh, nothing is to interrupt that part of the day. That's <laughs> but, um, beautiful. <laughs> but um, halfway through a very brief dream uh, on the second day at the ashram, I... I dreamt of a, a divine feminine presence that uh, came to me and spoke to me words of love, uh, a very brief and very simple dream, but I woke up in floods of tears. Uh, so I um, experienced myself being addressed from the sacred feminine uh, in a way that I, I had never known. And that that uh, very simple gift of a dream um, opened opened my mind and my heart in a new way to receive from the, the wisdom of the East. And, mm-hmm. um, and uh, one of the great sort of practical gifts of those weeks at the ashram with B. Griffiths was to enter a very form of simple meditation that has now become uh, a, a very close to the core of my spiritual practice. And uh, and I think that this is one of the great gifts of the meeting of East and West that we can we can learn or we can relearn some very simple forms of meditative awareness that will bless us in our distinct tr- traditions. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and I it seems that meditation, you know, our ability to enter the deep silence um, is the tool you know, really the tool, you know, regardless of the prayer that you use, the mantra that you use to calm the mind, um, ultimately that entry into the deep silence where we can experience uh, directly this truth of our own being and this uh, experience of oneness is is really... Um, the the medicine you know for our time that is yes. uh, certainly what i what i think as well you know i i so appreciated in in your book your well throughout you know your very um heartfelt 
uh, sharing um, about your journey, you know, the personal way in, in which you talk about your own experiences. And, um, uh, you know, I, I appreciated your um, sort of confession, you know, about meeting <laughs> um, Bede Griffiths and, you know, talking instead of listening, uh, yeah. you know, and, you know, and, and I thought, you know, really nothing uh, prepares us for India. You know, I mean, I've been studying in an Eastern tradition for 30 years, but, you know, when I went to India, it was, it, it was equally profound, you know, for me. And, uh, I, I had the sense that, um, uh, India is a place, uh, it, the distinction that I found is that there, there was not, and I had the opportunity to go out to the villages, and so what I experienced was that there was not the insulation from the earth that we experience so strongly in the earth, in the West. You know, we have this um, sense that, um, you know, we're in control, that uh, we can do all these things, and we're protected, you know, because we are. You know, we have air-conditioned homes, and, you know, we have water purification systems, and, you know, and in India, in a lot of the places, and of course there are other parts of the world where this is true as well, but, but things don't work in that way. And so people don't rely on things for their security. And, you know, people often comment on this deep spirituality that they experience in India. And part of what I thought is, well, they're relying on spirit. You know, the fax machine doesn't work. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, you know, you're not relying on the things that, you know, we think in the West bring us security. You know, whether it's just being able to turn on the tap and knowing you can trust the water, right? So mm. you, you don't have that experience there. And so what do you rely on? Mm. You know, you're really thrown back on your reliance of, of uh, spirit and mm. um, your, your deep connection to the earth and to other people. And, you know, you, you have traveled um, quite a bit and I imagine you've had some of that experience yourself. Yes, Um you know, we, we, our traditions, but our, our nations and cultures have, have often been very arrogant about our our superiority over the other, and we have to we have tragically in the West thought that um, we uh, don't have much to learn from from the East and India. We have so often thought in those terms, and um, the. Uh, one of the great contributions of, of Bede Griffiths, and I think that this was one of his um, one of his most seminal writings, was the marriage of East and West, mm-hmm. In, mm-hmm. in which he explores the the completion that can come through the marriage of East and West, uh, mm-hmm. rather than uh, seeing ourselves primarily in isolation or pri- primarily fearing one another, mm-hmm. and um, the. Um, I'm I'm again and again in India impressed with just how profoundly spiritual a culture it still is, mm-hmm. and um, this is a critical time in the in the life of India because there is a real bombardment uh, of of India and and of Indians by Western technology, and 
pray pray that they may remain very true to their Eastern wisdom in the in in this time of uh, transition, because mm-hmm. they they do have much to much to offer us. Uh, and I think there is this very immediate sense of relationship with the earth that is true of Indian wisdom and Indian culture and insight. Uh, and I think that there, there's a, a very natural focus on the experience of the sacred rather than a set of beliefs about the sacred. And um, a lot of our Western uh, religious inheritance has been propositional, that is, sets of truths about the divine or about God, uh, rather than the immediate experience of God. And I, I think that, again, uh, meditative practice is blessing many of us in the in the West uh, because it does provide us with very simple disciplines to make ourselves available to an experience of the sacred. And you know the 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 rise in, of course, the the opening of consciousness as we began talking about in the beginning, um, this natural awakening. You know, people are turning within, and many, you know, have turned to the east um, for these methods and are attracted to yoga and the meditation methods that are that are offered um, through the technologies of yoga. But, you know, it's also true that these mystical practices are found in all the religions. You know, yoga yes. is, 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 you know, we, we teach that it's not a religion. You know, actually it's a universal, um, um, philosophy and practice that it can actually be found at the, at the core, at the heart, at, in the deep mystical traditions. You know, when we, we take away the, um, you know, various, um, beliefs, but we get down to the core of direct experience. And, uh, I, w- I was thinking about, and have, have you read the book, um, Roger Kamnitz, the, the Jewel in the Lotus? No, I haven't. Uh, no. You you would enjoy it. It's a, it, he he writes about there was um, the Dalai Lama invited a group of um, Jewish people, rabbis from various uh, strains of Judaism, to meet with him to help him understand how um, people in uh, a, a diaspora. Um, can survive, you know, so he was looking at the Tibetan people and the Jewish yeah. people and how they kept their uh, religion alive. And um, it's a very lively book <laughs> about, you know, the, the inner conversation of, you know, some of them trying to figure out, okay, well, how, you know, how do we um, meet the Dalai Lama? You know, do we bow? You know, well, Jews don't bow. And so, you know, what do we do? So it's a lot of fun, but there's one part in it that was particularly poignant where one of the... Um, I don't know if it was one of the rabbis, but one of them anyway asked um, His Holiness, you know, why is it that we are losing so many of our young people to you, you know, to Buddhism, to yoga, to Hinduism? And um, it was a very profound question because you look at so many of the um, people who are leading voices, uh, whether it's Buddhism or yoga, and they're, you know, from Jewish or Christian homes, right? So um, His Holiness said, um, it is not because you don't have it in your traditions, it's because you don't make it available to them. And uh, I thought that was so uh, profound. And of course, what I've seen now with this hunger um, for the inner way is that 
you know, the, many of the religions are looking into their decor to make their own practices available today. Yes. Yes, I, I agree, absolutely. I, I think that the, the many, many people uh, who, for instance, in the Western world were uh, born in the Christian household uh, and yet are not coming back to the family table to be fed, um, it's because they haven't been fed. Uh, but it isn't because uh, food isn't there to address some of the deepest yearnings of the human soul today. And I think that one of the one of the great blessings of Buddhism in the Western world today is that we we in different uh, religious traditions are are being awakened to what the hunger is, what the yearnings of the human soul are, and uh, we're being invited to learn from uh, the mm-hmm. immense attraction to Buddhism, and mm-hmm. uh, not not in a frightened way and not in a competitive way. But we're being invited to wake up to some of these experiences uh, and uh, disciplines uh, of, of spiritual practice that lead into an experience of compassion or an experience of peace rather than a set of beliefs about um, the compassionate one. Absolutely. And when we come back from the break, I think um, let's focus a little bit on some of the gifts um, of that, that Christianity in particular has had and Judaism as well of, of how do we hold, look at suffering in our world and um, look it straight in the face and still hold a high vision of truth. So we're going to take a break now and uh, we'll be back with you in just a moment. Affirm the good that flows within you and stretch to reach your divine potential with daily inspirational messages from Daily Word. My affirmation of faith is, I release and I let go. I release my desire to control people or situations. I let go of fear, worry, and doubt. I trust in divine power, which is infinitely capable of establishing right outcomes. I align myself with this power through prayer and meditation. Opening my mind and heart to the wisdom of the universe, I recall the promise, I am with you always to the end of the age. With this assurance, I find the strength to let go of anything holding me back. Letting go and letting God is a choice. It empowers me to move forward with ease and confidence. It provides me peace of mind and the assurance of divine order. As I let go and let God, I open the door to infinite possibilities. Daily Word magazine is now available in a digital format. A one-year subscription to Daily Word digital magazine with audio is only $9.95. That's less than three cents a day to start your day right, centered and connected to the truth within you. To learn how you can subscribe to this online interactive magazine, go to www.dailyword.com. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and to join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. 
Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at yogahour at unity.fm and we will respond. Now, back to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien and my guest today is the Reverend John Philip Newell and I want to connect you to his website which is salvaterravision.org that's S-A-L-V-A-T-E-R-R-A vision.org so you can find out more about his retreats and also about his books and I particularly want to recommend the book we're drawing from today is A New Harmony The Spirit, The Earth and The Human Soul a beautiful book and there are also several um, books of prayers um, that he has, has written um, as well. Um, so before we conclude today, um, let's let's take a look at you know what it is to be fully awake, and having our eyes and our hearts open, um, which then of course brings us you know face to face with the suffering in life. You know, so how do we bring forth this new vision? Um, that is a, a really um, a beautiful vision of peace and harmony and still um, be able to deal with the profound suffering in our world. I believe that this is uh, one of the, the charisms or the gifts of Christianity. We've been speaking a bit about the marriage of East and West or of how different traditions can be seen to complete one another rather than uh, to compete with one another. Um, And uh, at this point in time, uh, those of us in the Western Christian tradition, in the midst of the collapse of much of Christianity as we have known it, I think rather than being primarily paralyzed or frightened by this collapse, uh, are at a deeper level being invited to ask, well, what is the new birthing? And what is our contribution to the blessing of the world? What, what is the great richness that we have to offer? And I think that one of our gifts is in this realm of looking uh, suffering and looking brokenness and pain straight in the face. You know, here we have very central to our uh, Christian household the symbol of the cross. And uh, it has, I believe, often been distorted into a belief that God somehow requires payment in order to forgive. I think that that is to miss the true heart of the cross uh, that we've received in our Christian household. I think uh, more fundamentally, it's inviting us to know that uh, harmony or wholeness is to be found not by somehow skirting around suffering or trying to play it down, uh, not by trying to say, well, it's really not as bad as it might appear. I think that this, uh, the second pathway to wholeness that I 
describe in the book is a pathway that takes us uh, deeply into the confrontation of awareness of confession of just how deeply broken we, our nation, our religious traditions, and our world are, that this is an essential part of the pathway to well-being. And um, I think that the uh, a question within this focus is, well, where is our strength to be found? Uh, how, how can we um, access the strength to look at suffering in our lives, in our families, in our world? And um, I think that part of our great inheritance within the Christian household is the uh, wisdom and the practice that we find also in in Judaism uh, about um, a real uh, awareness of, of suffering rather than being primarily frightened by it or, or feeling that we can somehow skirt around it. Or rise above it. <laughs> yes, yes uh-huh. that's right, transcending uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, and I was I was just taking a look at, at your book again this morning before we began, and um, in the section where you're you're talking about um, the cost, in a sense, of of wholeness, and how you know we would prefer um, you know it's just sort of a human nature, you know, to prefer not to have to make any sacrifices. Um, but that that is a central part of healing, and uh, and of course, it, you know, it it is the meaning, you know, of uh, renunciation in a sense, you know, that we sacrifice the lower for the higher. And um, when when we when we look at what is it what is it for us to live in this world with a consciousness of oneness, it means that that we have to sacrifice uh, some of our self centered behaviors. Yes, and um, I think that this this has 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 been, in a sense, the shadow side of uh, the Western focus on on individuality rather than on oneness, because we have um, we have pretended that well-being can be found by by shoring up the individuality of our nation or by making sure that the human species is well to the neglect of the other species of the earth, or we've pretended that uh, our individual well-being is to be found by looking after uh, ourselves, uh, by lifting ourselves up over others, or by neglecting to care for others. And uh, I think that the, um, the invitation to move back into relationship with one another as nations, as traditions, as species is something that is bringing us back into a radically new understanding of sacrifice. Um, it was Carl Jung who said, every true and deep love is a sacrifice. Um, because when we find ourselves loving the heart of the other, then uh, we want to give ourselves to the well-being of the heart of the other. And in that very action, we experience greater well-being ourselves so that we we discover that our true center is not within the limited confines of our own individuality or within the limited confines of our nationhood or our religious tradition, that our true center is to be found by being in relationship with the center of one another mm-hmm. um, as, as nations, as traditions, as species. Mm-hmm. And, and rather... Uh, 
Mm. I was just going to say, and rather than diminishing us, which people are afraid of, um, you know, they think of, you know, giving something up, uh, right? Mm. Rather than diminishing, it actually expands uh, what what we are. I'm I'm sorry I interrupted. So I hope you'll finish your thought there. <laughs> well, I, I, it mustn't have been very important. I can't really remember, but um, <laughs> I I think that um, uh, part of redeeming the world word sacrifice, uh, and I think that I mean, we don't necessarily have to use the word sacrifice, but I think it can be redeemed, and um, its its root meaning is is um, is from the Latin root. Which is sacrificare, which is, which means to make whole or to make holy again. Mm-hmm. And uh, what is it that we are being invited to do in our lives, uh, for our families, in our, in relation to our communities and among us as nations? What is the making whole um, action that we are being called back into? Mm-hmm. And um, certainly within the Christian tradition, but in ways that we find resonance in all of the great traditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, love is the is this greatest energy for uh, for transformation. Mm-hmm. Um, Pierre Teilhard de Chardin, a great um, Christian mystic uh, scientist Jesuit in the uh, 20th century, said very prophetically. I think he said, "Once once we have learned to harness the greatest energies of earth, sea, and sky." then we will finally learn how to harness humanity's greatest energy, namely love. Mm-hmm. And, and when we have done that, he says, we will have discovered fire for the mm-hmm. second time. You know, we mm-hmm. will have really uh, accessed the greatest energy of our being. Uh, and it's not the energy, the sort of puny energy or strength of our egos. It's the great uh, and eternal strength of the one from whom we come, who is at the very heart of all of us, and yeah. we and we access that by letting go of the sort of puny strength of our egos. <laughs> yeah, this is a beautiful way to say it. And you know, when we speak about love, of course, in this way, it's also not love as emotion, but it is love as as wholeness. Really, that which. Um, is the ground of our being, you know, our, our essential nature. I want to conclude this morning with just a short reading uh, again from your book, A New Harmony. We live in a moment of grace. Through the hedges of our divisions, we are beginning to glimpse again the beauty of life's oneness. We are beginning to hear in a way that humanity has never heard before the essential harmony that lies at the heart of the universe. We are beginning to understand amidst the horror and suffering of our divisions that we will be well to the extent that we move back into relationship with one another, whether as individuals and families or as nations and species. The time is right and it is only love that has the power to reawaken what has been paralyzed in our hearts. So um, beautifully said, I want to thank you, um, Philip, for being my guest on the Yoga Hour today. It's really been a joy talking with you. Thank you, Alan. What a delight it's been to be with you. Thank you. And I want to remind you all again about visiting his website, which is salvateravision.org. 
um, S-A-L-V-A-T-E-R-R-A vision.org. And I'd like to invite you to come back next week for our program on called Ashtanga, a Patanjali's step-by-step guide for spiritual realization and fulfilled living. I'll be joined uh, by Nikolai Bachman, author of the new book, The Path of the Yoga Sutras. For information about uh, summer programs and meditation retreats at Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, you're invited to visit our website, csecenter.org. I look forward to being with you again next time. Until then, remember to let your inner light shine into the world and share your peace and your joy with all that you meet. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. experience the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Rev. Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. If you are able to safely turn your attention away from the demands of your activities, quiet your mind and affirm, There is a divine plan at work in my life. I now relax, let go, and let it unfold. Listen attentively, inwardly, without projecting any thoughts about what you think should happen or be experienced. Become as a child, trusting and receptive to the guidance of spirit within. This meditative moment, adapted from Mary Cupferly's God Will See You Through, is brought to you by Unity. Good parenting doesn't happen by default. It's intentional. It's a decision about who you'll be and what you'll do in your family life. Join your hosts, Reverends Jennifer and Ogan Holder, each week for Unity Family Matters as they guide you on a spiritual journey, creating conscious family life. Experience the light side of parenting, realizing your divine identity while raising your children to know they are the light of God. 
gain insights based on unity principles, talk with today's prominent experts in spiritual parenting, and address your questions and comments from spiritual perspectives. Unity Family Matters, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash divine 2022 